there are things that God is doing about this time in our world that, to me, it, it amazes me that what's happening around us, what's happening in the world. In Uganda right now, there's no internet. The president shut down the entire internet. If you've never believed in God before, <laughs> to provide for your business, I'm getting calls left and right. Some people are so happy he did that. Some are so sad he did that. The church that was growing and online hearing, pastors were getting amazed at the response. Now they can't do it. They have to use VPN, if you know what that is, where they just download the app and kind of stream their services afterward. But they're not getting the same response. There's a starring in the dark world, I can tell you that. But I've come to tell you and to say, poor devil. Here's why I say that. And I'm going to borrow some stuff from Pastor Dwayne's message this morning because it was like he was reading my notes halfway. And uh, I tried to change them, but I couldn't. Um, and so, truck with my thought process for a little bit. Why I say poor devil. When God created man, he said, I'm going to give you dominion, power over everything, over all the creeps, over everything that's on the earth. At that moment... Lucifer may have been an angel or may not have been an angel. He had thoughts of overtaking man. He had ideas. But we don't see the, the power of the devil on display until man hands over his power to the devil. So in other words, the, the power that the devil possessed was the power that man was intended to have. Truck with me here. And now when Jesus comes in the picture, he says, all authority has been given to me, so I give it to you. There was an authority exchange. So what did the devil remain with? The devil can't do nothing unless you and I let him. Amen. That's why the devil comes along the word. If I can get you to misinterpret the word, which was his number one goal against Adam, if I can get you to add some things and mix up your own mess along this message, then I can get you to still believe I am the stronger one. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He said, you saw Trump over snakes and scorpions. None shall be enemies harm you. But we're living in a world where we're responding and being passive about who we truly are. Like we don't know our identity. When God said, I give you power over everything that's in the earth, he gave all of himself and his authority in the earth to you and I. When I was praying for this, I said, oh God, forgive me for, <laughs> for thinking the devil is so strong. 
And yet, I have been empowering. Movies have made the devil with horns and muscles and everything that we begin to think in our minds that, whoa, the day I defeat the devil, everything is going to be okay. He's already defeated. You're walking from victory into more victory. You're walking from grace to grace. I want to take you back to a story here. Because today I'm talking about being led by God. And I'm, I'm really focusing on the word of God is the transforming authority of a believer. I want to take you to a conversation here between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a profound teacher of the law. So he knew the Bible really well. At that time, the whole Bible was the Old Testament. At that time, the Pharisees memorized the entire Pentateuch. So he pretty much knew the word of God word for word. And and what's so amazing is he comes to meet Jesus at night with some questions about the word of God that he could not express when anybody else was present. This is a picture of a man who knows the word of God, speaks the word of God, but is denied the authority of the word of God. His vision is not clear enough. And to to put some more picture to this, John is writing this after he has been with Paul for a couple of years. He's been in ministry. He's heard about Paul's ministry, been a part of Paul's ministry. And now he gets this revelation by the Spirit to go back, write the book of John. And in chapter 3, he puts this story of a man who was a great minister of the time, a leader of the church who knew the word of God, but did not walk in the authority of the word of God at all. And so Nicodemus is Jesus. He's like, how can, how can you be a man like me? But when you teach... And when you speak this word, it comes out with authority. It comes out with power. Miracles happen. Like, what's the difference between you and me? And I would like to take a little farther. Maybe what Nicodemus was asking is, how can I walk in the same power you're walking with? How can I live a life that's so content of God's presence that, that even before I speak, people are sensitive about what I'm going to say. I want to be the kind of person that when I speak, Rome is concerned. Does he want to take over Israel? I want to be the kind of person where all my peers are concerned. Remember this one part where they asked Jesus, do we pay taxes to Caesar or do we pay taxes to, or do we stop paying taxes to Caesar because we're in, in Israel? And Jesus answers that question, and to me, I think this is the smartest, genius wisdom of God ever in existence. He says, pay to Caesar. No, he first says, give me the coin. They give him the coin. He says, what's inscribed on this coin? They say Caesar. So give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. In my culture, when someone answers you like that, you're supposed to follow up the question with what? Belongs to God. Because if the coin 
was inscribed with a picture of Caesar, and that belongs to Caesar, then what belongs to God is something that God has put his mark on that you have to give to him. And I've pondered this for a while, and I remember thinking about it some more. What's Jesus saying? Your money might belong to Caesar, but you belong to God. Was Jesus quoting from the book of Genesis that God formed you from out of the dust in his image, in his likeness, made you to be like him so you could be his? And now you're confusing what you possess with whose you are. You're confusing what you own with whose you are. When sickness comes, you say, I'm sick. You're confusing whose you are and what you have. I always thought words of faith like, I'm overcoming. The headache comes, I say, my body is overcoming the headache. David, are you, are you feeling good? The word of God is at work in my life. And I know in America, the funny thing is, Comedy shows have messed the people's faith up. That when you answer like that, they say, cliche, Christian. If you have a headache, you should say you have a headache. Period. But the word of God says, by his stripes, ours. So here is Jesus standing in front of All of these people who had an identity crisis mistaken for possession crisis. They were thinking Jesus was going to come and pay for all their loans, pay off all their debts, and clear everything right there. Because if he was going to be king, he was going to have to go against Caesar. And here we are in the middle of a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. I'm going to jump in at John 3.16, a verse that we all know very well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, <laughs> it's not because God doesn't love you. He said, God loves everybody with such a big heart. And the, the line that, that is really big for me here is, whoever believes in him. It's almost demanding a character change. I've been believing God a, a certain way. I can't imagine being Nicodemus after I've read all the entire Genesis, I've read all the way up to Malachi, and someone tells me, if you only believe, put yourself in those shoes for a moment. You've gone to school for your profession, you have your papers to prove your qualifications, and you meet, you meet a person who says, if you only believe, 
what, do you mean what I know is, doesn't qualify me? No. <laughs> I'm not trying to qualify you. I'm trying to save you. So do you believe what I'm talking about? Because 2 Peter 3.9 says, God, Jesus wishes that nobody should perish. So if it was in God's, if it was in Jesus' will, if it was in his power, everybody in earth would be Christian. Everybody would be saved. But he saw that Nicodemus had a role to play because a lot of times, or I always thought everlasting life meant life after death. It meant I believe in Jesus, therefore I'm going to heaven, I'm going to live forever in the afterlife. But do you know sinners live forever in the afterlife? Murderers live forever in the afterlife. They may be in a different zip cord, but they're living forever. So what does everlasting life mean and having to believe? Here's what I found out, and this is from, uh, I love the Greek words because I've been taking a class with uh, Rick Renner. Uh, in his words, he says, having a particular character and quality as the Lord manifests Experiencing the quality of God's life now as a present possession. I'll say it again. Having a particular character and quality as the Lord manifests. Experiencing the quality of God's life now as a present possession. So what, what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is you can have this life that I'm leaving. You actually have it. You can have it in the now. You know, 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given unto us by God. Here's what this scripture is, is telling me. Nicodemus had no idea about the things that God had freely given. And a lot of believers, we don't know clearly the things that God has given us freely. It's easy to believe God for a car. But man, is it complicated to believe God for your healing? One time, I asked the person, I said, oh, you got prayed for, how are you doing? He said, oh, no, it didn't go away. So I asked them, I said, is God a liar? They said, I don't know how this works. I've been believing God for the last 10 years, and this thing is not happening. And then I said, can I talk to you for a moment? He said, have you ever planted a tree? They said, no. I said, have you ever planted anything? Anyway, long story short, I said, when you put the word of God in your life, it, it, it doesn't stop working until you say it has stopped working. There are some miracles that will take you some time. I'm a testimony of that. That the word of God is walking on the inside of you. And when you meet people, they're always asking you, how is it now? And that's why my answers, like I said earlier, were, it's working. I may not see it. We sing that song. Even though I don't see it, it's, 
even when I can't feel it, it's because there's some periods in your life where you're going to watch other people receive instant miracles and you're wondering why yours is taking forever. There's some moments when you're going to be on the sidelines. Are you going to be the ground that says the seed is in there and it's going to happen? Are you going to hold on? I was, in, I, was in a, I was in a church service back home and they brought this guy. I mean, he couldn't walk. His hands were like tilted in, his, his feet in. He was like on a mud. They brought him in the middle of the service. They put him up front. This, in Uganda, Sunday service begins on Friday night because people start arriving Friday night because they're coming from far. So they're sleeping in, in the church and everything and they don't leave until something happens. So this guy was laying at the front and... Uh, the first service on Friday night, the pastor prays for him and says, it's finished. Take him to the back. And all of us are like, but it didn't happen. And then he's like, it happened. Just wait. When Saturday comes by, his hands are still in the same position. His feet still in the same position. Worship is going on. They try to bring him back so pastor can pray for him again. He's like, no, the word is working. Sunday morning comes, they bring him back up to the front. He's like, no, 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 no. Put him back where he belongs. <laughs> the word is working. It looked like he was mistreating someone who was in need. And he kept emphasizing, I believe the word and it is working. The weekend is over on Sunday night. Nothing has happened that we could see. And I'm getting nervous for my dad. Like, ha. Oh. They won't be back next week. <laughs> this is going to cut half the attendance. People are going to think God doesn't care anymore. They're going to try a witch doctor. And he, he didn't seem to have those thoughts like I did. A month goes by. Two months go by. In the third month, the very first Sunday, he comes in walking like shaking. And the entire village came with him because they had never seen him walking before. And I was like, but he's not walking all the way. <laughs> Don't miracles mean that I come from zero to a hundred in, in a twinkle of an eye? And I remember that Sunday he preached a message. He says, who hinders you? And the whole message was based on the mind. He said, once the word of God is sown, God actively watches for his word to perform it. Once the word of God has been sown in my life, I begin to act on the word of God every single day of my life, whether I'm on the sidelines or I'm in the game, the word of God will accomplish everything that he sent it to accomplish. And Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus who knows the entire Bible. Even at some point, Jesus says, you searched the scriptures because in them you thought you found me. Amen. In other words, it's our responsibility to submit to God. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's how much power you possess, poor devil. All you got to do is <laughs> resist. 
Can you imagine how many believers walk every day saying they're believers, but they really don't know what the word believer means? When do you cease being a believer once you become a believer? After you get your first paycheck? Believing is a lifestyle for a believer. In other words, every single day, <laughs> you are believing something that wasn't there the day before. Every day you're believing God for something that God is going to do. First John 3, 8 says, For this reason the Son of Man was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. He has nothing he can do all by himself. So if the devil needs you to do his will, why don't, why don't we put a gap there? If the devil needs me to confess something that doesn't line up with the word of God, I need to fix that. If the devil needs me to do something that's outside of the wheel of me being a believer, I need to put a pin on that. It's going to look, they're going to call you a weirdo. Because you begin to say things as in, I can, I still see the pain. I used to have migraines. And I remember my first time in America, I got a migraine. They took me to the hospital. By then I hadn't realized how expensive it is. I had no insurance. I was in the hospital for three days. And they gave me shots in my tummy. They, they tried to do a spinal tap, they did an MRI. I was, in, I was enjoying all the machinery. But I did not realize there was a bill at the end of this all. And the doctor was going to tell me, when this happens again, just go to your family doctor. I thought it was going to be like you're in America. We've cured it. It's gone. And I remember going after the third day in the hospital and the host family telling me, David, this is going to kill us. This is going to be close to $10,000 plus. That night, I said, migraines, you have no authority over me. If it's going to cost me something, it better cost me time with God, but nothing else. I remember sitting in that room saying, one more time. I screamed. I was like, migraines, you have no power over me. Do you realize that was the last day I ever got migraines in my life? Psalm 78, 41. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. There is no restrictions on God except the ones you put on him. God is omnipotent. But wow, what power we do have that we can stop him in his tracks. Amen. God is all-knowing. But wow, what power we possess that all he knows becomes like dust to us. Just by a mere portion of what we believe. There was a story of, of a pastor who went to Calcutta and, uh, in India. And so, uh, and he had a, a business friend. So they were there for years. And I remember 
was at Oria this time. They had come to share their t- testimony. And so some misunderstandings happened. There was war breaking out. Myanmar people were getting a little more crazy. And so the pastor and the businessman had to leave. So they're sitting on the plane and having a conversation. The pastor told the businessman, wow, you made some great investments. People's lives are going to be changed forever. And the businessman said, nah, your investment was much greater than my, all my investments put together because they're going to be lit up on the match. And what you invested in the people, nobody can light a match on it. The investor knew that time spent investing in the word of God is something that fire, war, lack, sickness can never take away. Because why? The word overcomes it. And that's why I'm confidently saying this because I know the word of God is the strongest tool to a believer. Because why? It's the transforming agent. Romans 12, 2. How do you do it? Overcome the world by renewing of your... You know that word renewing? Remember that one show where they would remodel the home and they say, move that bus? I know I'm a little bit old, so for some of you, I will compare it to, I don't know any, any other new, HGTV. Let's just, let's just keep it there. And so, can you imagine if they said, move that bus, and the house was smaller than what it really was? So we've been, we've been, we've invested thousands of dollars into your home. We sent you off to Hollywood for a trip and you come back home and like, it was a full bedroom. Now it's a two bedroom, one bath, but it's to 2021 status. That wouldn't make sense. But what that meant for it to make sense was when you come back, it's going to be bigger and better and more efficient. And that's the exact meaning of the word renew. What it was is too little compared to what the word of God wants to turn it into. And this is what Nicodemus is dealing with. He's in a daze. He's like, and do you realize Nicodemus this day got a seed that if you keep on reading, you'll see him in chapter 8. You'll see him again come back at the crucifixion time. The seed was working in him. I wish I could follow him all the way through. I can't imagine after, after the time of Jesus, he's, he's the one preaching the gospel. Because of such a moment that brought so much life to the scripture that he already possessed in his heart. And he, he met a person who made it so simple to the point that I would say, Pastor Dwayne is right next to, to Jesus in preaching. Because, I mean, this Sunday morning, I was like, man, how can you make it so simple? It's like, how, how can you not grab something out of the word of God. Like I was, I was sitting in the balcony with my phone like notes. I wish I could take a pause in the middle of the service and like write more. But it brought me back to this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus is coming from a background where he believes afterlife. He believes all of these things about how great God is. But yet a simple conversation of how do you walk in the authority that you walk in and I don't 
has revolutionized everything you knew about God before. It was like a renewal of life, a renewal of thinking, a renewal of doing the things that he did before. The purpose of God's leading is so that you can change your reaction to circumstances. This is how you know I'm a believer. My character when I have no money. This is how you know I'm a believer. My character when I lose my job. This is how you know that I'm a true believer. My character when my marriage is on fire. This is how you know I'm a believer. (laughs) When I'm in the middle of a feud with my neighbor. This is the character of a Christian on test. For you sons and daughters, relationship with your parents. I went through a season that was pretty challenging. Not, not too long ago, I was talking to Pastor Ken about it. And God just turned it around like two days ago. All because I was willing. To have the character of Christ in a situation. And maybe that's all the healing some of us need. Is God, I know I've carried this burden for a long time. I've been, I've been thinking someone's going to come and take it away f- from me. You know, some people use this phrase just to thuse themselves. You know, God is in control. You never know what's going to happen. Probably God is saying, and you're in control, and you should know what's going to (laughs) happen. Because everything that's happening in our world, as believers, we have a responsibility. We either identify with the fact that we do lack in spiritual wisdom, or we keep ourselves too confident, and we miss what God wants to do in our time. What am I saying? There was a way in the Red Sea before Moses and the Israelites ever got there. Moses turns to God, God help us, do something. And God is like, no Moses, you do something. And I think when God tells us that, sometimes we get hurt. God, I thought you were all powerful. I thought you were all knowing. I thought you were all... Even speaking tongues. So I'm going to make God move today. And God is like, I already moved. I'm in the inside of you. Open your mouth. Am I preaching to myself? Because I wasn't too far from there not too long ago. And this morning kind of got me in that kind of turning place. As, as Pastor Dwayne was talking up there, I'm like, I don't want to be one on the balcony just jumping around because I wanted to, but I was kind of too high up there. So, uh, No. <laughs> Um, but, but I think it's about time, not that you fake emotions, but you let the word of God do its course on the inside of you. If you have to get out of your chair, do that. You know one thing I miss about Africa? Is the emotion in the service. Whether it was fake, whether it was real, there were some people that, for them it was a show, but there were some people 
that meant, it meant something. We used to do this thing where you pick up your chair and put it up in the air. It's like, like this is not enough for me anymore. At some point in, in the service, like the altar, like you couldn't tell the difference between the stage and the people. I feel like in America, this gap is the most dangerous. It, it's like the no-go area. That's the holy place. The pastor stands there and some prayer elders. The rest of us, we only stand there to look at them when they call us for altar call. And sometimes I feel like the longest distance between you and God is actually the distance between this stage and your pew. That some people don't think they can receive in the back row. They feel like, no, I'm going to, he wants me to walk all the way to the front. Can't I just receive Jesus from back here? Yes, you can. All you need is to believe. And maybe this is the most unbelief we do have. And, and for some of us, it's so very subtle that the distance between us and our miracle are the words we speak. I've been battling this for 20 years. Does that mean the word is not working? I know of a tree in China that takes four years to show a bud out of the ground. Just to show a little shoot out of the ground you planted four years prior. Are you willing to be empowered by your patience? If, if God says about himself, I'm willing to be patient so that none of my children end up in destruction. Amen. If the king of kings is saying, I'm going to hold back my judgment until everybody has encountered me in a, in a special way, how can I come and say, I've waited about two weeks. God should have done something by now. And you start all over the first day again. And you, you schedule a meeting. I'm wrapping up. If you want to get on the keys... I truly believe it's, it's time for us believers with what God is about to do here at, at Res Life to, to start walking in a resurrected life. What does that look to you? How does that look like to you? Begin to read the word of God. Dive in deeper. If you're one of those who's, who's encouraged by pain and you want to read the book of Job, like the pastor said this morning, let me advise you. Begin from the end. Go to Job 42 and begin to read backwards. And another idea is this. Anything that anybody says that is not God speaking, don't read it. And you'll be left with chapter 42 to 38 and chapter 9. And if you want to get some clarity, read 1 and 2. Because I think a lot of people get caught up on the devil talking with God about Job's assignment. And some people don't realize that at that moment, the word of God wasn't as clear 
or they couldn't understand it the way God wanted them to. To the point that Job started thinking he was more righteous and wanted to talk to God about it. Like he was trying to expose God. Like I've done it all. I'm good. I'm right. I haven't messed up anything. I need an audience with you, God. I mean, I won't, I won't re-preach this morning's message. The whole idea was based on this, of the entire word of God. And I think Solomon said it best. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Waiting on God to do is a form of unbelief. I'll say that again, and I'm stepping on some toes here. Waiting on God to do it is you saying God hasn't done it yet. I want to fix some vocabulary. How about an idea? God is working it in me. I don't see it yet, but it's going to happen. I, I don't feel like it yet, but it's going to happen. Why? Because the word of God says, I have it. If you don't mind, get up on your feet. I mean, I didn't even get to halfway my notes. If you don't mind, lift up your hands. There's a person in this room, you've been battling migraines for some time. Maybe you're watching online as well. I see migraines. I see... Man, this back pain thing keeps coming back up. But I see one who's dealing with stomach issues as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for healing them right now in the name of Jesus. Healing to every part of their body because by your stripes, they are healed. So whatever it is, I declare healing to you right now in your body. You at home, you in this room. If you don't mind, begin to move it. Begin to check your hearing. Let us know. Begin to check that shoulder pain. Begin to check those knees. As you declare your healing over yourself. That today you are healed and you're walking in victory because you got the victory of the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for doing it through your mighty name, Father God, I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.